big things that I saw with this one is they didn't see how the Bible all hung together. And when you realize it's one story from Genesis to Revelation, though it is 66 books written over many centuries, many cultures, mostly by those who had no contact with each other, yet it's one story, suddenly your faith in the reliability of Scripture zooms to a zenith. This is Charisma Connection. I'm Chris Johnson. And today we have a special guest who is the author of The Jesus Who Surprises. It's a very rich women's book and Bible study that recently came out. So thank you for joining us, Dee Breston, and welcome to Charisma Connection. It's wonderful to be here, Chris. Well, I'm so glad uh, that you could join us. I remember you from I guess it's been quite some years ago when you wrote The Friendships of Women. Uh-huh. And that was that was an exciting book, and uh, you've had a few since then, I think, have you not? I have. <laughs> I know you're a frequent guest on Moody Radio and on Focus on the Family. You've been on In the Market with Janet Parshall and so many other shows. So it's great to have you here. I know you're active also in prison ministry. And you have a weekly Bible study on your website at dbrestonministries.com. Is that right, dbrestonministries.com? It's actually just dbreston.com. Oh, dbreston.com. Okay, there we go. So your book is called The Jesus Who Surprises, Opening Our Eyes to His Presence in All of Life and Scripture. I want to talk about how Jesus still surprises you, Dee. But first of all, I'd like to find out how you got into the writing ministry and the Bible study ministry. Well, Chris, I have been writing so long. I did some writing before I became a Christian, but I became a Christian as a young wife and mother. And when my husband was doing his residency, I wanted to have an evangelistic Bible study for the residents' wives. At that time, most doctors were men. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And um, nobody was writing Bible studies. That's how old I am. And so Mm -hmm. I thought, well, it would be helpful to have something where they did homework. And so I wrote a guide called Proverbs and Parables, and that became one of the first in the Fisherman Bible studies, and it took off, much to my surprise. And um, I wrote many of the Fisherman Bible Study Guides, and I wrote one on friendship and got so intrigued about friendship that that led to the Friendships of Women, which did so well that it put me on the map. And I'm very thankful for God's mercy and grace because I often really didn't know quite what I was doing, but he protected me from any big errors, and I had publishers who let me rewrite when I got smarter. And you have sold... Uh, as I recall, hundreds of thousands of books now. I have been blessed, for sure. (laughs) Amen. Amen. That's right. So many people must know you, but your book now, The Jesus Who Surprises, how does Jesus still surprise you, Dee? Oh, he does. Mm. He always throws curveballs and excites me. Uh, One of the things I'm thankful for when we were raising our five children, Chris, was a radio program by Karen and David Maines called 
um, the Chapel of the Air, and they taught us how to go on the God hunt and how to teach our children to spy God every day in their lives. And they had different categories, such as an answer to prayer, unexpected circumstances or timing, help to do his work, whole list of categories. And we had a bulletin board, and at supper each night we'd say, how did you see Jesus today? How did he surprise you? And most of the time it was something simple, you know, a new friend at recess or, or an A on a test. But every once in a while it was huge. And we'd make a picture and put that up on the bulletin board. And I am convinced, Chris, that having those God hunts day after day after day helped my children at times when God was silent. Because when he was silent, they could still say, but I remember when he opened the Red Sea for me. (laughs) I remember this. I remember that. And it helped them to hold on to the Lord during those dark, difficult, challenging times. And that's what we do in the Jesus Who Surprises. We look for God every day in our lives, but also in the Old Testament. Excellent. Well, you have some great stories in here that are contemporary stories, but also from the Scripture, from Old Testament. And God is there, even Jesus is there, I should say, in the Old Testament, but we often don't realize it. I mean, it's hard to spot him sometimes unless you're looking for him. For instance, in Genesis, uh, Jesus was there from the beginning of time, wasn't he? Isn't that amazing? You can see the Trinity in the very beginning. In the beginning, God, that's the Father. And the Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep. And the Word, which John tells us is Jesus, was speaking the world into creation. And then we're told, let us make a man in our image. There's plurality there. That's the Trinity. But yes, he's hidden. He's not nearly as easy to see, but he is in every book of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Well, where do we find Jesus in the law and the prophets? Well, we find him in the law in that, for example, every slain lamb points to the greatest slain lamb. In fact, every prophet, every priest, every bridegroom, every suffering servant points to the greatest prophet, priest, suffering servant. And it is a whole foreshadowing of Jesus. One of the best books I recommend for children is the Jesus Storybook Bible, where she says, the Bible is not just a big book of rules. There's rules in it. It's not just a book of heroes, so there's heroes in it. It's a love story of a great prince who left his father's throne and came to heaven to rescue his bride. And that's what we need to be seeing, that it's all one story. Chris, I filmed the curriculum that goes with the Jesus Who Surprises down south, and I have 20 women that give testimonies on that curriculum. And one of the women is a dear old southern woman, and I asked her, why should we study the Old Testament? A lot of people say, don't bother. She said, would you start gone with the wind in the middle? (laughs) She said, you would miss how Rhett Butler kept chasing after that rebellious, foolish woman. And if you start in the New Testament, you will miss how God keeps chasing after us, his foolish, rebellious bride. Don't start in the middle. <laughs> I love that. Good advice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I also love the story in the New Testament, in the Gospels, Luke 24, where 
There are two men on the road to Emmaus, and the risen Jesus surprises them. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? That's my favorite historical account. They certainly were not expecting Jesus. They were grieving, and he comes up alongside them, but he hides his identity from them, which he does sometimes, in order to talk to them. And he asks them why they're grieving, and they say, Don't you know what happened? Jesus was crucified. We thought he was going to rescue us. And then he shows them, and this is how the Jesus who surprises is divided, how he was in the books of Moses, and we start with Genesis to see how the story began and all went wrong, how he was in the Psalms, and then we look at the Psalms and learn how to live in this hard story, this challenging world full of trouble and grief. And then he shows them how he's in the prophets, and we're going to see how the story ends and how we can have such hope. I learned so much about heaven, Chris, that gave me hope. Before, I wasn't all that excited about heaven. I knew it was better than hell. I knew it would be good to be with Jesus. But was I going to rest eternally? Was it going to be just singing Amazing Grace for 10,000 years? That didn't sound so good. But I have a whole new view of heaven because of the prophets, particularly Isaiah. Hmm. And I think you dedicate a chapter to Isaiah. Tell us about that. Well, the last section is on the prophets, and we are mostly in Isaiah. And in fact, the very last chapter of the book is about heaven and what I learned from Isaiah 65, because it is going to be so tangible. It is not we who go to heaven, but heaven that comes to earth, God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth and join them. Um, And it is going to be the best of earth without the sin, without the sickness, without the death, without the mosquitoes, without people hurting us. And there's going to be family. It's going to be different. I did um, a trilogy with recording artist Kathy Tricoli, who's been single all her life. And I remember after my husband died, he died of cancer in his 50s, I said, I can't wait to be with Steve again. And she said, wait a minute, I have been single all my life. Does this mean I'm single in eternity? You're going to walk off into your happily ever after, and I'm still going to be single? I said, no, no, that's not what Isaiah 65 teaches. That's not what Isaiah teaches. There's going to be family. You're going to have to enlarge the cords of your tent for your spiritual family because you have been leading so many people to Christ. It's going to be family, and I don't know exactly what it's going to be like, but it's going to be so much better than we can even imagine. Hmm. So I'm, I'm more excited about heaven now than I was before. Hmm, that's a beautiful thing. I, I remember reading uh, Randy Alcorn's book on heaven. Yes. Uh, and that's it's quite a treatise, but very accessible. And just thinking about heaven is a beautiful thing. I know you tell your story about uh, your husband, Steve, and the cancer that he and your family endured. Could you talk about that a little bit? That's where we use the Psalms so much, Chris, hmm. because... One of the things I have learned about grief is that it is very dangerous to listen to your soul. When Steve was sick and then after he died, if I listened to my soul, what I heard is, you are not going to make it. You are never going to have joy again. Your children are not going to make it. But 
I had to speak to my soul and say, no, God promises to be a husband to the widow. He promises to be a father to the fatherless. He says he'll never leave you or forsake me. And he will be your provider. He'll be your bridegroom. And indeed, he has been those things. But I had to use the Psalms. And when Steve was dying, we'd often be so overwhelmed with fear and anxiety and grief when we were lying in bed side by side that we'd be weeping and he said we've got to memorize the psalms and start praying them and speaking them to our souls we did and now i look back to the fruit of those prayers i remember there was a place where in the psalms it talked about being a father to the fatherless and he said lord if you are taking me home Please provide fathers for my fatherless children. And you know, Chris, he has. Um, And you have five children, right? I have five children. Uh, My two sons were out of the nest when he died. I had three daughters at home. And (laughs) they all happened, but I'd say this is a God hunt, to marry godly men who had pastors as fathers who had been fathers to the fatherless. I believe that's fruit of Steve's prayer gained from praying the Psalms. Hmm. That's a beautiful thing. Well, you tell some really great stories in here. I wonder if you would share with our listeners about your friend Ron and his wonderful surprises (laughs) as he encountered Jesus late in life. Oh, I'd love to talk about Ron. I follow him about with a notepad because he's so quotable. (laughs) He came to Christ in his 70s, and just recently he said, I never knew before Jesus you should listen to your wife. (laughs) I thought, oh, I've got to write that one down. (laughs) But uh, he came over one day when his wife was beginning to get the gospel in our Seekers Bible study. We were doing one of my studies called Examining the Claims of Christ, and I invited them over, and I prayed that the subject would come up, but it didn't during dinner. They just talked about the Green Bay Packers. (laughs) And then afterwards, when we were clearing dishes, Ron got behind the counter, and he pounded on the counter, and he said to me, what you've been teaching my wife is not what I've heard in church all my life. And oh, my heart just stopped, Chris, but I said, how is it different? He said, you told her that all she has to do is put her trust in what Jesus did at the cross, and she'll go to heaven. I said, that's right, Ron. And then he pounded again and said, she doesn't have to be good. And I got it. I realized that Ron had religion, but not the gospel. And I ran and I got a book by Tim Keller um, that shows the difference between religion and the gospel. And the first thing is, with religion, I work very hard and hope God will let me into heaven. But with the gospel, because I'm forgiven, and he brings me into heaven by his grace, I am so grateful. I want to please him. And that dear man, he read through this long list of the differences, and then he said, I guess I'm religious, so now what do I do? And oh my goodness, he and his wife have come to Christ, and God has changed their marriage. He is a Vietnam vet who often had outbursts of anger. It's gone. And it's just, just like when I'm in prison and I see God turn a life around, I think, I am surprised again. I shouldn't be, but I am surprised by the power of God and what he can do in a heart. How wonderful. Now, in your book, you talk about 
this word spying Jesus. You talked about a God <laughs> hunt earlier. So how do we spy Jesus, and is he really as hidden as we think he is? I do think, and some people object to that term because they say, well, he's with me all the time. But I do think we need to be alert to be amazed. Um, one of the reasons I keep a prayer journal is when the, often I'll read back and I thought, oh, he did answer that. He did answer that. I even forgot that I asked him for that. And we have to be alert to every person in our path and to realize that he may be at work and may do something amazing because he brings people across our path. And when we ask him for help to do his work, we have to be alert that he actually brings people to help us. He brings people to you, Chris, for interviews. He brings you a good editor. And if we're not aware and alert, we may miss it. But when we start adding up all these different ways we spy him, our faith is increased and we begin to look for him more, and we see more than we've seen before. Hmm. So he's always with us, but we're not always aware of it. <laughs> for sure. We <laughs> are often as blind as those two on the road to Emmaus. Well, we certainly get into our busy lives every day, and we can miss a lot that God wants to do. So in each chapter of the book here, you have a Bible study, uh, which yes. is, is uh, a few pages long, I think, in each one. So how have you seen your studies being used by women over the years, and what kind of impact are they having as women dig into the Word? Well, we, I always test studies before we have them published, because sometimes I don't know if I'm being clear or not, and that's really helpful. And it's always so exciting when I see great excitement in the study, as I have, with the Jesus Who Surprises and them learning how to spy Jesus. And one of the big things that I saw with this one is they didn't see how the Bible all hung together. And when you realize it's one story from Genesis to Revelation, though it is 66 books written over many centuries, many cultures, mostly by those who had no contact with each other, yet it's one story. Suddenly your faith in the reliability of Scripture zooms to a zenith because how else could it be one story unless it had one author? And that was exciting to see. Um, we saw people come to Christ. I filmed this video down in Columbus, Georgia, and they tested it before I came down to film it, and a homeless woman um, who came for a free dinner happened to hear that they were going to do the Jesus Who Surprises, and Chris, <laughs> I have her testimony in the video, and in fact, if you look on my website, you can see it, but she she's weeping. She said, I never knew that God loved me like this. I never knew I had so many misconceptions about God. My life has completely changed, and she's different. So that was pretty exciting. Plus, we do a lot of my studies in prison. My publisher, Waterbrook, has been wonderful about giving hundreds of books to the prison ministry I'm in, and they need to see how Jesus loves them, how he surprises them, and how the Bible is all one story. So we're really excited about doing it in these different prisons as well. 
Oh, that's wonderful. You have such a wide reach with uh, your works. So I'm sure that makes it worth it to put all those hours in of study and, and writing. Oh, I'm just so privileged. I'm sure you feel that way, too. What is a more exciting life on earth than being a partner with God and what he's doing? I, I'm i just so thankful. I know he could take his hand off me at any time, but I'm so thankful that it has been on me. Well, Dee, I wonder if you would pray for our listeners now, uh, those who are wanting to understand who Jesus really is, who want mm-hmm. to understand Jesus in their daily life, and mm-hmm. those who um, are students of the Word or even need to become students of the Word, need to have that taste of understanding mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. God's Word is relevant today. I'd love to, Chris. Father, I thank you for each listener. You know his or her heart. And I pray that you will speak to that individual today, that you will give them a hunger and a thirst for you, that they will want to get into your word and see who you really are, that you will open their eyes the way you did for the two on Emmaus and see how you are in every part of their lives, how you love them, how you have a plan. I pray you will get them excited about heaven so that they will be able to set their affections on things above and not on things below. I pray that they will be salt and light in this world and that their impact will go from generation to generation. I ask this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen, Dee. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dee Breston. And once again, let's give your website. I'm sure people will want to get acquainted with you and your books and your ministry. It's just www.dbreston, and Breston is B-R-E-S-T-I-N dot com. Or if they Google the Jesus Who Surprises, they'll find me. Okay, so the book is called The Jesus Who Surprises, and I'm sure you've got many more books in UD, so we'll be looking for those too. Thank you so much, Chris. I'm Chris Johnson. Thanks for joining us for this visit on Charisma Connection. If you'd like to learn more about the guests we have on Connection, please visit cpnshows.com. And while you're there, you'll want to check out another great interview show. Our publisher, Dr. Steve Green, hosts, and that's called Green Lines, a podcast on abundant living. So I hope you'll take a listen there. You can find Green Lines and our other Charisma Podcast Network shows at cpnshows.com. Shane W. Rostiger is the founder of Hot House of Truth, which, in case you haven't heard of it, is a place designed by God to awaken his bride by the preaching of his uncompromising word, to purify her by his fire, to equip her by his spirit, and to send her out full of oil and fire. Well, Rostiger is releasing his new juicy book called Chunks of Meat. Have you ever wondered why you haven't grown in your Christian walk? Do you wonder why you have not reached the fullness of Christ? Or have you wondered why you haven't manifested as a mature son or daughter? Well, stop wondering. All you need to do is change your diet. It's time to eat heavenly protein. It's time for you to reach full maturity in Christ. It's time to grow up. The book Chunks of Meat is at your table. 
and it's free. It's for you. Just come and eat. Truth Not For Sale. Log on and download your free copy today at hothouseoftruth.com. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.